0: great to be back together. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we just pause in our day uh, to come together, Lord, as a community of faith. Brothers and sisters, sit around a table, Lord, and we just declare that you are the teacher, you're the master, um, and we just give you this time that your word would have its perfect way in our hearts as we reflect on what we've been learning just to pray you to open up uh, just realms of understanding uh, with the spirit of wisdom and revelation by the power of the Holy Spirit, that we could see what we haven't seen before in the scriptures, that we would understand your heart better than we've ever understood your heart before, um, that we would come away encouraged um, in our journey of faith as we're studying your story, studying uh, the journey of those that have gone before us mothers and fathers in the faith. And Lord, we thank you for Pastor Sylvia. We thank you for who she is, for connecting us. And we just thank you for the gift that you placed inside of her um, as a prophet and a teacher, as a pastor, a messenger of the word of God. We just pray your anointing to be upon her as she ministers tonight, that she could really, you would just speak right through her Lord uh, as a vessel to us. And, uh, and bring your enlightenment, your encouragement. And, and I just pray you bless our conversation and discussion and that the name of Jesus would receive all glory, honor, and praise. And Lord, that you would bless each person uh, and family represented in the discussion tonight. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. And so uh, before I turn it over to Pastor Sylvia, I just wanted to mention again, for those who might not have uh, been with us until today, we've been reading through this chronological read, but it's gotten us up through um, the book of Deuteronomy. So we're coming out of Deuteronomy now, and we're getting ready to move into the book of Joshua. And Joshua is the sixth book in the New Testament. Um, But as we conclude our reading, from this book of deuteronomy um, we just saw how the bible documented that um, moses had died Um, and it gives us the history on like what was taking place around that time and before he um, died we saw how he commissioned his successor joshua and the end of deuteronomy it marks um, the end of the torah which is the first five books of the bible And that's the way that the Jews refer to those first five books. They call it the Torah. And it's also meaning the law of Moses. And so Joshua is really going to be a completely different type of book as we start unpacking and moving into the book of Joshua, because the first five books of the Bible, they sort of set out the constitution for the people of Israel, um, which is the foundation to all that's going to follow. So it's important that we just we just read over it. So we have a good foundation of understanding now as we move forward. But in the book of Joshua, there's not a single law and some of you are probably thinking whew You know, there's a lot of laws we just went through. So instead, though, we're going to begin to see how the law is worked out in practice. And although the law no longer, the law of Moses, that is, no longer applies to us directly in that way because we're under the new covenant, there are things that we learn about God and his intentions and how he deals with his people and God never changes. And so it's important that we learn his character through these dealings, through the examples that we have from Israel. And so again, without further ado, I'm going to turn it now over to Pastor Sylvia.
2: Amen. Hallelujah. It is always an honor and a privilege to be and to connect in this way. Now, before I get started, I want to encourage all of you. We come and literally it we're gathering around the table. And when we come to the table in your home, in my home, you don't not participate everyone normally has something to say. So we want this to be interactive because we're in this together. You did not come. This is not your four walls in your church. You didn't come just to hear everything that I had to say and then nod and go home and say, what a great message. We came to draw from God. The very presence of God is in our midst. And he desires to teach us, but he does so for those who are open, receptive, and want to receive. So I hope you came to receive tonight. And we receive as we give out. Uh, Krista gave us a great introduction, reminding us about the book of Deuteronomy and where we're going next. And I know that for some of you, you said, this lost stuff is behind me. Well, it's not. It is before you, it's in front of you, it is in you. Why? Because Jesus is the law and the law is Christ Jesus. He did not come to to abolish it. He said, I came to fulfill it. So I hope to take you on a journey tonight where you will see that's exactly what he did. And then I also hope that by the time we're finished, because some of you, when we realize that the law means God was commanding them, because we have been jaded by the things of this world, we go oh, I don't I don't want anybody commanding me nothing. I want to do it, how I want to do it, when I want to do it. When we say, oh God wants you to obey him, you start to, come on. Tonight on the table, let's keep it real and let's be real before God and one another. Amen. So I'm going to share my screen and then we're going to get started in, again, reminding you exactly in reference to the book of Deuteronomy and allowing you to understand where and how it all began. Amen. So the book of Deuteronomy, it is Deutro is second and then Numos is law. Here it is, because see, in the synagogues, they would have a cupboard and the rabbi would go and he would take the scroll out and they would name the scroll based on the beginning, the very first words of that particular book of Moses. And in this case, it's simply called the word and jesus christ is the word in john 1 and 1 it says in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word became flesh among us jesus has told us that in every book it is prophesied it is spoken of him he assures us that moses saw him knew him these books confirm christ and we need to see him in everything. I'm astonished and amazed when I realized that, you know, again, when it's time for the Jews to read the Torah, they call it the word. Well, we know who the word is, and we delight in him and in his word. Now, it's broken down into three major parts and sections. It is part one, is chapter one through 149, it's the past. Moses is reminding them about their past. See, I want to pause right there because sometimes that's exactly what we need to do. We need to let God remind us from where he brought us from. And in doing so, we can begin to understand where we are today. For it was you who brought me out of darkness, Lord God, and brought me into your marvelous life. It is in remembering and reflecting our past that we can receive the corrections and the reproofs from God as necessary, but also the encouragement that we can remember, man, this is how it was, but here I am now. So he brings us into the presence. That's the second part. And that's chapter 4, 44 through 26 and 19. And then the future, then 27, 1 through 34. God wants you to understand That, yes, we all have a past. The Bible says that all have fallen, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. When we look at the scripture, we should look and understand that how he was with them, so he was and is with us. God never gave up on Israel. He has never given up on the Jews. So therefore, we as Christians can have confidence that he won't give up on us either. And we can trust in God. You know, I believe that one of the greatest things we can do is not just to lay your prayers before God, asking God, God, I need this. I want this. God, this. No, 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 no. Start out by exalting, by lifting, by hollowing the name of God. When we look at our past, when we uh, reflect on where we are and then the joy of the future, out of our heart comes that hollowing, that rejoicing, that exalting, that praising. See, one of the greatest weapons that you'll ever have is your weapon of praise and worship. And God wants you to use it. It's the last of the five books of Moses. And it's broken down because I'm giving you a general overview. Jed, last week, covered chapters 1 through 9. Tonight, we pick up on 10 through 34. But here's how it's broken down. It's a review of sin and rebellion. Chapters 10 through 11, verse 33, is about obedience. Then chapters 12 through 26 is about relationship with God and with one another. Chapters 1, 30 through 20 is the covenant is affirmed. And then chapters 31 through 34 is the continual assurance that God will be with them, that he will not leave them. He will not forsake them. There are rewards for our obedience. Now, Again, since we're all at the table, I would love for someone to go ahead and open up your Bible there and go ahead and read chapters 11, 26 through 28. Chapter 11, verse 26 through 28. If you read that for
3: us. Amen. Behold, I set before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing, if you obey the commandment of the Lord your God, which I command you today, And the curse, if you do not obey the commandment of the Lord, your God, but turn aside from the way which I command you today, to go after other gods which you do not know. Amen. So Moses is telling them, and he says it
2: more than one time. I set before you today a blessing and a curse. And it lays out exactly what it is. If you obey God, this is going to be your reward. If you don't, this Is the consequences. We clearly see that God lays that out so that you don't have to guess. You don't have to try to figure it out in chapter 28, verse one through 14. Sheila, I see you. So I know that you're
4: ready to read that for us. Amen. Thank you. Okay. If you fully obey the Lord, your God, and carefully follow all his commands, I give you today, the lord your god will set you high above all the nations on earth all these blessings will come upon you and accompany you if you obey the lord your god you will be blessed in the city and blessed in the country the fruit of your room will be blessed in the crops of your land and the young of your livestock and calves of the herd in herds and the lambs of the flock your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed You will be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. The Lord will grant that the the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come to you from one direction, but flee from you in seven. The Lord will send a blessing on your farms and on everything you put your hands to. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he is giving you. The Lord Will be staff will establish you as his holy people as his promised you because he's promised you an oath if you keep the commands of the Lord your God and walk in his ways then all the people on the earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord and you will they will fear you the Lord will grant you abundant prosperity and the fruit of your womb the young of your livestock, the crops of your ground, and the land he swore to his forefathers to give you. The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty to send rain on his land in season and to bless all the works of your hands. You will lend to many nations, but will borrow from none. The Lord will make you the head, not the tail. If you pay attention to the commands of the Lord, your God, that I will do give you this day and carefully follow them. You will always be at the top, never at the bottom. Do not turn aside from any of the commands I give you today to the right or to the left. Follow other gods in serving them. Amen. Thank you so much. You can
2: see in those readings, and I hope that you're were tracking the number of times that mm-hmm. it was saying, "Obey commands. Obey commands." You know, the Word of God is not an allegory. He means exactly what He said, and God is talking and speaking to us in practical, I believe, everyday English so that all of us can understand it. That is why I love the word of God. It is so simple. Do this and I'll do that. Don't do this and I won't do that. Glory be unto God. God wants us to understand. He wants us be, to be able to relate so that we can do it, amen. And again, not out of blind obedience and obligation, but
1: out of love, out of understanding who he is and who we are in him. I just wanted to interject just the um, to, for us to recognize that these things that God was promising to Israel, they didn't get, they didn't get. You know, because, well, they got, they had, they have experienced times of them, but he was saying, if you obey all of this, um, the nations are going to be in awe of you. You'll never be the bottom. You'll always be the top. That didn't happen to Israel, you know? And so I think one of the important points here too, is where he started out to say, I set before you blessing, a Mm -hmm. a blessing and a curse, they, they had to choose, mm-hmm. and so he was going to use them to be a demonstration to the whole earth, regardless of which way they chose. And so he, they've been a demonstration of both, but we see God's heart was always that he wanted to bless his children, always. Amen, yes. amen. 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 amen, absolutely correct.
2: And that's what we need to see. The book of Deuteronomy, as a matter of fact, from Leviticus, all the way through the entire Bible, I wanna say from Genesis to the end, God is revealing his heart to his people. And even when we look at the nation of Israel, God wasn't just intending for it to be just all about him and Israel, no. It was to be about Israel, him using them to bring all of the other nations into this family of love, into this relationship with God, every nation, every tribe, every tongue, everything that God was doing was a result of what the other nations were doing. And as a result of that, God was specifically identifying those things so that they would not do them. And in not doing them, they would have the relationship that he has desired with mankind from the very beginning in the garden, starting with Adam and Eve. And when he was saying command, obedience is a choice. Command is a still a free choice for you to decide to do it. But if you don't do it, there are consequences. And that brings us into the next thing is there are consequences for disobedience and disobedience when we look at uh, chapter 28 15 and 68 now I'm not going to have us read that because it's a whole lot when I tell you he doesn't miss anything he doesn't miss anything but when you read them and I hope that you have because this is a review of what you've already read since last week up until now You will understand again, even the consequences were practical, even the consequences were specific. They were not some obscure thing. God was hitting the mark and saying, because of your disobedience, we're going to do this. But here's where I want to go. And there's two points I want to make. First is that, you know, we now live in a world in a time where hypergrace grace is having a very negative effect on the church. I'm just gonna keep it real. And I say that because again, if we only give you one side of the scripture, we do you a disservice. You must understand and receive all of the scripture because that's the full counsel of God. God does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Christ did not die to justify so that I can continue to live in sin, but he came so that I could be, came so that I could be free from the bondage of sin, that includes you, from the taskmaster, and we would be able to now willingly agree with the father and walk and live in obedience so that we can receive the promises of God. The promises of God are yes, yes, and amen. But God has standards and he has conditions and he has not changed and he can't change. Why? Because he'd have to go back and apologize to everyone before us and say, "Ah, if I'd have just chosen for you to be born at a different time, then that wouldn't apply to you. It's not so. God made it where, because he's fair, he's equal, he's God. He's just to every single generation and every time, in every season. Amen. I want us to look at, and again, if someone will pull up Isaiah 63, 1 and 6, because I want to talk about the wine press. Again, God has not changed when it comes to sin, but his response is, and it's delayed, and as he is delaying that, He is putting it in the wine press and he's stuffing it and he's stuffing it until that day when all of his wrath or wrath comes forward and it won't be a pretty thing. And I want us to understand that it's not just uh, for those who've never called on the name of Christ. For many called on his name, but they are not in Christ because in Christ means we walk in love. And that means we walk in obedience. See, we don't have discipline problems. People say, I have a discipline. No, you don't have a discipline problem. You have a love problem. When we love him, that's what Jesus said. If you love me, you will obey my commandments. That's what he said in John 14 and 15. If you love me, you will obey my commandments. This is what God was saying to them from the moment he was bringing them out of Exodus all the way through and to you and I, all the way through the end of the book, the end of the story. If you love me, you will obey me. If you love me, you will do what I'm asking you to do. And I've given you a helper, the Holy Spirit, to enable you to be able to do this. All right, I know we've got some avid readers out there. Who's going to read Isaiah 63, 1 and 6 for us?
5: Who is this who comes from Edom, from the city of Basra, with his clothing stained red? Who is this in royal robes, marching in his great strength? It is I, the Lord, announcing your salvation. It is I, the Lord, who has the power to save, Why are your clothes so red as if you have been treading out grapes? I have been treading the winepress alone. No one was there to help me. In my anger, I have trampled my enemies as if they were grapes. In my fury, I have trampled my foes. Their blood has stained my clothes. For the time has come for me to avenge my people, to ransom them from their oppressors. I was amazed to see that no one intervened to help the oppressed. So I myself stepped in to save them with my strong arm and my wrath sustained me. I crushed the nations in my anger and made them stagger and fall to the ground, spilling their blood upon the earth.
2: Who are the enemies of God? Those that do not obey, amen, that reject him that reject his laws, that reject God. Those are the enemies of God. Revelation 14, 17 through 20. Who can read that for us? And then also same in Revelation 19, 17 through 21.
6: Okay, 17. After that, another angel came from the temple in heaven, and he also had a sharp sickle. Then another angel who had power to destroy with fire came from the altar. He shouted to the angel with a sharp sickle Swing your sickle now to gather the clusters of grapes from the vines of the earth, for they are ripe for judgment. So the angel swung his sickle over the earth and loaded the grapes into the great winepress of God's wrath. The grapes were trampled in the winepress outside the city, and blood flowed from the winepress in a stream about 180 miles long and as high as a horse's bridle amen now
2: 1917 through 21 1917
7: to 21 then i saw an, an angel standing in the sun and he cried with a loud voice saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, come and gather together for the supper of the great God that you may eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and of those who sit on them and the flesh of all people free and slave, both small and great. And I saw the beast, the kings of the earth, and their and their armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. Then the beast was captured. And with him, the false prophet who walked signs in his presence by which he deceived deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone, and the rest were killed with the sword, which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse, and all the birds were filled with their flesh.
2: Amen. Saints, we need to understand again, God's stance on sin and his judgments towards those things have not changed. If you are, if you have any doubt, then you go and find how he responded to anything. Sodom and Gomorrah, receive see how he responded to uh, Ananias and Sapphira taking, in essence, the essence of their offering, their tithes unto the Lord and deciding that they would give a portion and it would be all right. That's his judgment. But what is he doing now? What he's doing now is he's putting it into the wine press until the day of the Lord. We must understand And in understanding, receive the truth from the Holy Spirit so we can be taught, again, the entire word of God. If we only get one side, and that is all of the great and wonderful, and you have not changed, you're still doing the same thing that you were doing when you came into the kingdom. Something is wrong and we must understand that God is not going to say, oh, well, they're only human. They couldn't help it. When we look at the book of Numbers, when we look at the nation of Israel, when we look at scripture and see God's response to ABCD, and if we are doing the same thing, and in many cases, even worse, and we need to understand that, again, it's going to be worse for us. Why? because we have the blood of the lamb, we have Jesus Christ, and we all have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. Unlike it was in the Old Testament when he would come upon them so that they could do the work that God was calling them to do. But with us, we have been sealed. It is our seal of adoption. So in other words, we are beyond excuse. There are consequences for disobedience today Yesterday, tomorrow, there are rewards for our obedience yesterday, today, and forever. We need to know the word and obey. The Bible says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. From Genesis to Revelation, the book is about salvation unto God. And we must understand that salvation is according to God not according to us. Let us be hungry and thirsty for the truth of the word of God. They rejected it and there were consequences. Let's receive it. The wine press is real. Here's another thing I want you to do, food for thought. Oftentimes when we see the rainbow and we rejoice, okay, we should. On one count, yeah, because it is God's remembering. He's a covenant-keeping God, so he's remembering his covenant with Noah that he will not destroy the earth the way that he did. But here's the other way you need to understand. It's a reminder that the same level of sin has risen up on the earth as it was during the days of Noah. I remember when I was a little girl, I never saw double rainbows. I live in the state of Florida. I see them quite often. That means it's double the level of sin. Saints, let us be wise and get understanding. The Bible says in all you're getting, get understanding. It is, again, talks about our relationship with God and one another. He lays out what the standards is in the promised land and the neighboring land. He even breaks down and we left in relationship to religion, government, special crimes, personal rights, responsibility, sexual relationship, health, welfare and warfare. God is concerned about every area of our lives. He desires that we have a personal one-on-one relationship with him that is based on who he is and according to his word and his will. But he also wants us to be responsible in how we treat one another. He didn't leave anything up to chance. Why? Because he's a good, good father and he loved them and he loves us. And he wanted them to know because he knows the end from the beginning. He know what he knows what good is because only he is good. And so, like any responsible parent, any parent that loves their child, he was trying to tell them, lead them, guide them. That's why he gave them the commands. That's why he was laying it out for them to understand. Then it goes into they have to reaffirm their covenant. See, now when they get to Mount Ebel and Mount Gerizim, they have to ratify for themselves And that is a certain number of the tribes and he named them would stand and they would quote out the blessings. Then the other ones would be shouting out the curses. And after each one, whether it was a blessing or curse, everyone was to respond with amen, which means let it be as you have said. God wants us to understand that words are powerful. That's why he says you hold the power of life and death in your tongue. Speak life. So their words were powerful. And as a result of that, amen, they will confirm it. If we do this, we're going to receive the blessings in Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 14. But if we do this, we're going to receive the curses. And that is, again, 15 through 68. I don't know if you've read all of them. But if you have, and you see any of that stuff going on anywhere in your lineage, you may want to have some conversations and seek the Lord and pray. God also was demonstrating the continuity that he was going to be with them. That as he was with Moses, he was going to be with Joshua. And as he was with Joshua, he would be with the people. The continuity, God is with them. And that did not change. Moses is going to die. You know, the book of Deuteronomy, Moses This was the last seven days of the very life of Moses. Most commentaries believe that Moses would come and he would speak to them. And that's why it's broken down in three parts. He spoke on three days. He would speak on day one, write on day two, speak on day three, write on day four, speak on day five, write on day six, and day seven was the end of his life. He went to the mountain, looked to see the promised land that he was not able to enter into. Why? Because Moses, when he did not respond and treat God with holiness before the congregation, he defiled, he lost, he was no longer able to receive the promise that God had given And that is that he would end up in the promised land. At one point, Moses tried to ask God uh, again. God said, don't ask me about that anymore. Don't talk to me about that anymore. You are not going in. But I will let you look over before you are called home. before, Before you are buried. God is serious. Amen. And we can. We can. Lose all that God desires because we make light of what God is asking of you and I. Deuteronomy is a reminder to us. But again, it's also a place where we can see and appreciate Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Jesus is clearly seen in this book as the prophet. Foretold by Moses in Deuteronomy 18 and 15, Moses says that another prophet from among you, God is going to raise him up, but make sure you obey him. Make sure you do what he says. When we look in the New Testament in Luke 14, 1 through 12, where the enemy in the wilderness is coming against Christ. He uses it as a weapon to defeat the enemy. So Christ, the son of God, knew Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, this book is important. All the books are important. That's why we need to read it from cover to cover. It is not enough to know the New Testament and not understand how it relates to the Old Testament. We need the full package. If you do not look at the five books, the Torah, and see Moses, then you miss the foreshadowing of Jesus Christ. So much of what Moses did, Christ did, even greater for you and I. Christ tells us that the two greatest commandments in Matthew 22, 36, and 40, Mark 12, 28, and 34, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your might. This is a book about God's love for us, but also our response to that great love. Paul uses it in the New Testament in Galatians 3 and three and 13. He talks about cursed is he that hangs on a tree. Amen. That comes directly out of Deuteronomy 21 and 23. Can you see Christ in Deuteronomy? Can you understand what God is seeking and God desires for you and I? Look back and reflect on your past remember your present where am I right now and the future where do I hope to go in him and in him alone
1: and pastor Sylvia I have a comment here as well um just on what you were saying about um the holiness and and obedience and you know I think when we're in these books this is where sometimes there truly can be a disconnect with the church with which is part of the conversation you led a moment ago um in regard to Um, legalism, you know, things be being labeled legalism in the church, God's word being labeled legalistic as if it's legalistic to obey God's word, which is an absolute lie, you know, and, and So what we're saying when we're looking into God's word is not that we are trying to earn salvation in any way by being good or just doing what God said. It's that culmination of doing these things out of the love for God. And ultimately what it shows is it shows that the, it shows the fruit. So your obedience is the fruit of your salvation. It's the evidence that you're actually saved. That's, you know, because if you're not bearing any fruit, um, then are you actually saved? You know, in the new Testament, Paul said, test yourselves and make sure you're truly in the faith, you know, and, and we have tests that were given through scripture, but part of it is just like what you quoted earlier from Jesus's own mouth, who says, if you love me, you will obey me. And, and another way it was said is if, uh, this is the love of God that you keep my commandments, you know, and we get mixed up on the love of God. What is love? Because we've also got the dissertation of the characteristics of love in Corinthians um, that says love is patient. Love is kind. Love is all these things. But do you know, if you go down that list of attributes, anyone in the world who doesn't have Jesus can be those things. They can be kind. They can be patient without Jesus. They, those are attributes of love. This is what love is. But Jesus gives us the definition of what love is. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. This is the love of God that you keep my commandments. And so I'm just wanting to reiterate this so that no one that's listening gets off on that, um, you know, hearing a voice from somebody else that they might have heard in um, Christian culture of our day, because I really do believe we are literally in the midst of a great falling away that the Bible said, you know, we know we're in the end times. We're in the season. We don't know the day or the hour, but we know we're in the season of the end times. And in Thessalonians, Paul t- tells us that um, that the day of the Lord will not come until the great falling away and the man of lawlessness is revealed. So two things that have to happen. So we're, we're in this season of you know, we're needing to know the word more than ever before so that we are not deceived and so that we are holding true to the gospel. Because for many, um, the Jesus that we're going to be face to face with one day may not be exactly the Jesus that you think um, because of what Pastor Sylvia is saying here. It's the full counsel of God, his characteristics, it's all, that he is grace and he is love but he is justice, and he is a judge, and he is a consuming fire. It's learning all of these things so that we can truly um, come before him and his word and accept him for who he tells us that he is, not who someone else has told us that he is. Amen.
2: Amen. Well, I appreciate you adding that, and I will make it real clear that what we have to understand is, again, we're not saying you can earn this because you can't earn salvation, but what you can do is once saved. That's why the Bible says that we are to die daily to pick up our cross and follow him. Jesus was the model, amen. He was a man. Yes, he was 100% God and 100% man. But the things that he did for you and I, he did as a man. And yet he did not sin, why? Because he surrendered, he submitted to God and he allowed the Holy Spirit to lead him, and he followed. And when there were times of testing like in the garden, he prayed and understood ultimately the thing that had to be done was the will of God. And I always like to say, if it is that, you know, the things in the Old Testament doesn't matter anymore, we're saved by grace, you can do whatever you want to do and still be saved, then why does Why did the apostles not display and depict that in their way of living? If you look at the Peter before Christ was crucified, resurrected, dead, and buried, he rose on the third day, and after he's filled with the Holy Spirit, he is a different person. We attribute the grace message primarily to Paul, but if you look at the Paul, the life that Paul led, you will see the fruit of his salvation. You will see that he understood that he had to allow the Holy Spirit to change and alter his life. We must again know that especially when you look at church history, you will find out that unfortunately a lot of the things that were written were not and are not true. In Jeremiah 16 and 19, the Bible says that our forefathers inherited lies that did them no good and they're not going to do us any good either. We must receive the truth of the word of God and be willing to understand that if what I've been taught, what I believe and what I think doesn't line up with the entire counsel of the word of God, it isn't God who made a mistake. It's me. And when we begin to say God is love, he is love. But God has always been love. It's not something he suddenly became in the New Testament after Christ was uh, after Christ was crucified, died, and buried, didn't suddenly become love. He's always been love. Go back to the garden and see Adam and Eve fail in love. He's the one that gave, made the very first sacrifice of that animal and covered them in the skin. That's an act of love. Everything he does, he does it out of love. We need to understand God's God's way and his love as compared to what we've been taught and what we see in movies. Don't let Hollywood movies teach you about who your God is. Let the scripture with the Holy Spirit teach you the truth about who God is. Conclusion, we are saved for righteousness, not by righteousness, Our righteousness is as filthy rags. The need to do right in the eyes of God is as common in the New Testament as it is in the old. Doing right in the eyes of God didn't go away in the New Testament, it's still there. This book is important because it reminds us of the past. It teaches us how to live in the present and urges us to look to the future. We are justified by our faith but we're going to be judged by our works. That's why Jesus warned us. He said that a tree, a good tree cannot produce corrupt fruit any more than a corrupt tree can produce good fruit. We're going to be judged by the fruit. The Bible even tells us it's the very word of God that's going to judge us. It's not just the unbelievers. The Bible says that judgment will begin in the house of, of the Lord first. Amen. The word love is used in this book 31 times by Moses. If you love the Lord, you keep his laws. Jesus again said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. Paul says love is the fulfillment of the law. It's not a matter of legalism, but a matter of love. Love is to obey. In God's sight, love is loyalty. Love and law stand together as one. Romans 13 and 18. Romans 13 and 18. You can read that on your own through the time. I'm not gonna go there, but we're going to go into our questions for today. Now, the word command is used 104 times. And the word commanded is used 443 times in the Bible, in the King James Version. Amen. Now I know in some of the other ones, they've taken that away because of whatever the reason. But why do you think God chose to use this particular word? Question number one. What do you think of when you hear the word command, commanded, commandments? And how does it relate to us as Christians today? I open up the floor on this section of the questions before we go to the next one. Come on family, we're at the table together. Let's sit and let's talk.
4: Whenever I hear the word command, um, I think of a military situation. (laughs) So that's the first thought that comes to my mind. But, um, But whenever you think of a military situation, that commands are in place um, to help us, to, to protect us. It gives mm-hmm. us boundaries. It tells us where the line is drawn. And you know, the, this, it's like with a, a toddler. If you give them lines and boundaries around them, it makes them feel safe, even though they may kick and scream. <laughs> so, so, but that's where my mind goes, that a command is a safeguard. Um, to help us and to, to get us in the right direction. Amen. Someone else.
0: Yeah, I would just say, I love, love your teaching tonight, Sylvia. Thank you so much. Um, Command, I think connotates authority. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, the only one who has uh, authority can issue a command. And obviously God in this case is the Supreme authority of the universe. And so, I think Paul talks about this in Romans nine a little bit where he talks about we're just the clay. So who are you, the clay to question the potter, what he makes a decision with what to do with the clay? And so there's a humility uh, that's necessary to walk with God. I mean, he says in Micah six eight, you know what does the Lord require of you? What has he shown you to to love justice, to do mercy, and to walk humbly with God? And this is the start of it is, he he's the authority what he says is the rule is the rule it's not up for a debate it's not a democracy we don't get a vote we get a choice to obey or not obey life or death but he is the authority and i, I love the story we'll read it soon in joshua when Joshua is standing there and there's the commander of the god's armies meets him and it's i believe it's jesus and <laughs> Joshua says, are you for us or are you with them? And he just says, no, take off your shoes because you're on holy ground. You know, we want it. We want God to take our side. But the question is, are we on are we are we on his side? Amen. It's not a it's not up for a a debate. But we like to do that in American culture in particular. We make everything binary, this team or that team. One of these two teams, humanly speaking, has to be on God's side. He's He's the supreme authority of the universe. He has his own kingdom and it's not like any other kingdom on earth. And so when I think of the word command, I just think of his his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts higher than our thoughts, entirely different than ours. And we only know him because he's condescended to communicate to us and our finite mind cannot comprehend the incomprehensible nature. And character of God, we only learn through wisdom and revelation because He gives it to us. Um, We cannot perceive spiritual truth without the aid of the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. opening spiritual understanding in the depths of our being. And so, it's by His light we see light. And so, command is such a—I think it's amazing. I I love that it's 443 times used in the Bible. Um, God is saying, "I'm the boss. I know what is best for you. I love you." but oh, that you would choose life. And that's his heart for us. Like you said, his heart, the purpose of the law is to teach love. God's love is the reason he gave the law. It all comes back to his heartbeat and he knows what we're made for and he knows how we're going to be the most satisfied as human beings is when we are fulfilling our purpose, which is to glorify him, uh, our creator.
2: Amen. You know, I, in the- because we've been jaded in the world that we live. And we've seen those that are in authority, that are able, that give commands, do some bad things, not good things because they're mere human beings. But what we have to remember is that God is perfect in all his ways. He has never made a mistake. He has never had a bad call or the wrong judgment. And his commands come from that place of love, wanting the very best for us. The Bible says that no good thing will he keep from you. If he has given us the very best thing, Christ Jesus, what will he keep from you? His commands are, as Jed said, to protect us, to keep us safe. Any good parent, you know, I have two children and four grandchildren. And when I tell them those things not to do, it isn't because, oh, you just want my life so boring, my life is so confined and so constricted that I just can't do anything. No, it's because I love you and I know what's best for you. And these things I don't want you to experience as a consequence, but you have a right to choose. And after a certain age, go ahead and choose it. And then when you come back and say, Bob, you were right. I should have ever. I tell you all, I'm gracious like God. And I don't say, yeah, I told you that. You should have been in the first place. I say, okay, good. What'd you learn? See, God gives us the choice. He knows what's best. And he'll allow us to do it and then hope that we learn from it. That's what he was doing over and over with the Israelites. He was commanding them because he saw the wicked stuff. If you could really just verbalize and visualize seeing the wicked stuff that Amorites were doing in the land of Canaan, the parasite, all of that stuff. That's why he told them, don't do this. I'm commanding you to separate them out to make them holy, because he is holy. These things we cannot do on our own, but we do them with him.
8: Someone else. I was going to say pretty much what you just said. And when you get commands and that command comes from love, you receive it differently. Um, you know, if I had a boss that I really didn't care for, and I felt like that was all it was, was a command coming from them without the love, it makes a difference. And I think when you're younger, you don't quite understand, and that's being younger in, in Christ and younger in life. Uh, when you fully understand and have a relationship with Christ, it's when you understand that love and the commands. And I think when you grow in him, That's when it really becomes powerful.
2: Amen. Thank you. Anyone else? How does that how does it relate to us as Christians today? Do you realize that in the beginning in Genesis, God started out using the word command? He commanded Adam not to eat of that tree of the good, of good, of the good of knowledge and eat evil. He commanded. It's interesting. Because, you know, in other words, when he said and he spoke and said, let there be light, there was. There was no wiggle room. Light didn't say, "Uh -uh, I don't want to be told what to do, so I'm not coming. He said and used the word. He said, let there be light, and it was. But with Adam and Eve, he didn't say, let there be obedience, and there was. He didn't say, let them obey me, and they did. He said, I've commanded you. Do you see the heart of the father? Do you see the love of God? Do you see that God did not want robots and he still doesn't, but he wants us to choose to obey because we see his great love. And then our response is, because I love you, I will
1: obey you. Anyone else? Before we go on to the next. I would like to say that that's what I see when I hear and see the word command is that it requires a response. Um, you know, a suggestion doesn't require a, a response. You can take it or leave it, but a command requires something and whether or not you respond or not, there'll still be a response. Um, so if you've been commanded and you don't do anything in your apathetic, there's still a response to the fact that you were apathetic because there was an, there was a decree or there was a, um, an order given. And so then it, it displays obedience or disobedience. Can I
2: just share with you, thanks, Krista, because you're right. In going back, when you get an opportunity, look at Genesis and notice this, God never forewarned Adam and Eve about Lucifer being in the garden. He knew he was there. But he said, I command you not to eat of that tree. Do you realize that if they would have obeyed the command, like you and I, if we obey the commands of God, it does not matter if Lucifer is in the garden of not, because he cannot touch us. Glory be unto God. He can't do anything. He must have legal authority, amen. He can knock at your door, but if you are obeying God, amen, he can't come in because God won't allow it. God never warned them about the devil, but he said, obey, don't eat this. I command you not to do this one thing, not to do this one thing, because he already knew the end from the beginning. When we read the word of God and God is commanding us not to or to do, because a command is a two part, It's actually a two part command. See, I was a drill sergeant in the army, amen. And before we gave a command, we gave a preparatory command that was to make them ready. And then we gave the command of execution. When I read the scripture, I see the preparatory commands and then the command of execution. And that's what Krista was saying. God gave the preparatory command and the command of execution is now I respond and I do it. I heard, now I do. When we when I would bring a unit of 600, 800 into attention, I would say, company, that's the preparatory, attention then that's the command of execution now do something amen that's simply what god is saying he's given us preparatory command after one another in the scripture and then the command of execution is our part how do what do you do and how do you respond amen
6: yeah when i think of it a command i think um non negotiable it's not negotiable and it's not a suggestion it's not it's not just an idea it's 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 uh, non negotiable this is how it is and i like i love how in the word of god god not only tells us what not to do he tells us what to do mm-hmm. and and um so praise the lord that's what I have to say
2: amen mm-hmm. it is a command that is given uh, by someone with authority, but still, you know, because again, being in the army and I gave commands all the time, but because there were individuals, trust me, I still had people who decided, "Mm -mm, I'm not doing that. They didn't do it. And as a result of that, they received the consequences, but those that did do it, they received the rewards that go along with that. God is is the same way. Oftentimes, again, because we hear stories about the military, we see movies and all of those things, it has distorted the beauty that's in the word and God's commandments to do or not to do in our lives. We're going to move on to that another area of questioning. Uh, And the other one is the word obedience. Obey is used 170 times in the Old and the New Testament. There are 228 Bible verses about obedience from the Old and the New Testament in the King James Version. What does it mean to obey God? Can you share that in your own word? And how is it lived out in
4: your life? Let's get up close and personal. I'll go back to the the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil uh, that um, um, I know I'm early on in ministry I've worked with kids a lot so I'm very visual so I love the tree analogy but what that tree analogy has done for me because I'm visual I see through the day all day long where I'm making the decision of is this a tree of life decision or is this a tree of knowledge of good and evil decision? And it's visible for me, but what that has always done for me doesn't always work, <laughs> but, but what it has done for me is it's um, it's, it's helped me to eliminate, as you said, that it didn't make any difference if Satan was in the garden. Do you know what I mean? It, it, it was mm-hmm. all decision. So it it eliminates the, um, it eliminates the enemy. You can't say, oh, the enemy made me do that. You know, <laughs> no, the devil did this to me today, you know. No, it was a decision that we made of good or evil. Which way, we, I mean, which way we're going to go. We're going to choose life or death. And and we do it in one minute. We do it like 10 times sometimes, you know. Um, but it does eliminate that blaming somebody else. You, you got to take responsibility for your own
7: disobedience yeah so in my own words what i think um obey to obey god me it means to be submissive um i don't really know how to put it though but i feel like it's being submissive (laughs) and how it applies to me uh, in my own life is you know when you obey him when you obey the commandments you see that you live a better life you you stay in a path where it's not like you won't be hurt it's not like you won't uh, uh um you won't be attacked or it's not like the devil won't still tempt you but the thing is if when you obey the word of God or you obey God, you stay in a you you, you stay in this word I, I don't really know in, like you're
8: safe. I'm gonna take a shot at this. um obey to me. It's pretty much what we just talked about—a command when He gives us something that that we should listen and take it to heart, to just follow through.
2: Amen. Again, there is, it, it, and the 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 key thing is in your own words. Amen. We've left our theology textbooks at home. We have uh, moved away from the PhD tables, or well, however, what does it mean to you? So thank you. Anyone else? Mm, good. Well, this is florida Amen.
7: And I don't know if um, I'm interpreting this wrong or whatever, but in my thinking, the word of God says, I'm dead to sin but I'm alive unto God. The life I now live, I live by faith in the son of God, which I got nervous and probably misquoted real bad. But being dead to sin uh, to me is saying that I'm dead to what I want. I'm dead to my desires. I'm dead to uh, uh, what what's going on around me, but I'm going to follow him because I love him. And when you love him, He is what you want to please. You want your ways to please him. You want your actions to please him. You want your life to please him and line
2: up with whatever he says or whatever he's telling you that your life needs to be. Amen, amen, amen. I appreciate that and thank you all for sharing. Here's what we also want you to know. The reason why we do this is because God does not tell anyone everything. Every one of you have something that God has impressed upon you, that he's given to you, so that you can, when we come together like this, give it so that we can receive what is good from him. Amen. So that's why we encourage you to participate. So don't sit back and just wait for someone else. Jump in and be a part of the family table. Amen. Where everyone is important and we want to hear what you are thinking and what God is saying unto you. Thank you so much. Anyone
8: else? What does it mean to you? Yes. I was going to say one other thing too, when we talk about command and obey. Yes. And, you know, and I'm thinking in terms of, like you were saying, you, you give your soldier, some, soldier something to do. You give a command and it's up to them to obey it. So you've got those that said, uh, all right, you know, <laughs> it's done. You know, they go off and do it. And I think that that is what we heard it. You know, we heard what God said he wanted us to do. Now it's up to us to go and do it. When we go and do it, that means we obey, we're obeying him.
0: I would just say to Sylvia, as we're talking about this, someone was talking about uh, submission. I think it was Hortensia. And I think that that the ultimate example of obedience is obviously Christ. And he says, not my will, but yours be done. And this is the very heart of obedience is my will comes after yours. My will is submitted to your will in the situation and uh faithfulness we talked about it last week that our heart grows in our love of god we end up loving what he loves and we turn away from what he turns away from we despise what he despises you you if you think about it what you you become what you look at what you behold what you worship you start to take on those characteristics and when you spend who you spend time with you start to exhibit their character traits so if you're spending time with God, you're going to you're going to be progressively more and more like him. And that's the process of sanctification. And I love the story that Jesus tells the parable, because it's not how you start the race. It's how you finish. Mm-hmm. He tells a story. He says there's a you know, there's a vineyard keeper. He has two sons, says, I want you to work in the vineyard. The first son says, Dad, I'll go. Doesn't go. Second son says, I'm not going to go. But then he goes. That's a that's a picture of the submitted will, even when he didn't want to do something. He thought about it. <laughs> the conviction came back, and he said, Doggone it. I'm gonna go ahead and go to dad's venue. I'm gonna go ahead and do the chores that he wants me to do. He sacrificed his will. It wasn't, it didn't start out at a place of surrender, but he got there. And Jesus just asked the question: Who was the faithful son? And of course, we all know it's the It's the son who ends up obeying, ends up coming around to do the will of the father. And that's the heart of of obedience, I believe.
2: Amen. Amen. Well said by everyone. See, I love this because as we're speaking and we're doing this, God is showing me a banquet table with just all kinds of fruit and all kinds of things that we can partake And that's what we want to do every week when we come here uh, on, um, come here to meet you on the tour of truth so that you can get bread for the journey, all of us, but then we can collect and put the fruit that God has placed in all of us so that we can have a better understanding, keeping it real, talking, sharing, because you don't know what you don't know. And I don't know if what I think I know is likely in error, unless I hear from what someone else is saying. And unless we can divide, we can uh, we know dissect the Word of God together. It's about that. And in this season, in this time, it's critical. It's critical. And we have that safe place where we can come and know we're going to receive the truth. And I believe here on the tour of truth. That's what we desire to do. And that's where you're going to find it.
3: Amen. I just wanted to share about obedience. For me, um, what I believe obedience is, obedience is one of those things where it's a, it's, a, it's a free will response based on experience, amen? Because I know that people can obey when they're also forced to do something, slavery per se, right? If you're forced to be, do something and your life is threatened, you will do that thing. But I believe the biblical obedience is that obedience that man uses their free will in response to the relationship they have with someone. Um, in, in, from our perspective as Christians, Um, We see here, uh, God, especially in the book of Deuteronomy, um, God just doesn't tell the people to obey. God tells the people to obey based on what he has been doing for them from the time when he took them out of the land of Egypt. And so he tells them, "This this is who you know me to be. And so if you want to respond to all the wonderful things that I've done for you, you will respond in obedience, in obedience to what you already know me to be, which is good. And we see a lot of that in in, in Jesus when he tells us that if we love him, we will obey. And I want to speak a little bit to that love because that was just so magnificent and and just revealing to me that Jesus is telling us that you know what love feels like because I gave you first. And so if you're going to love me back, the only thing I ask from you is obedience. And we see that consistency all through scripture. God is saying your obedience will come first when you have when you have experienced who I am, and your natural response would be, "I want to love this God back. What should I do to love this God back?" And God gives you exactly what you ought to do to love Him back. Just obey His word. Something amazingly that is both beneficial, that is actually more beneficial to you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Amen. Mm -hmm. More beneficial to you to obey because His commandments are for your own good. So when I think of obedience, I really think of it as a free will decision based on your experience with someone. Amen. 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 Well said.
2: Appreciate that. Amen. So the bottom line up front is simply this. The more we get to know God, then the more we experience and encounter him and his love. And we will not have challenges in him commanding us to do this or not to do it, in our willingness freely to obey him because we know he's good. You know, I think of the Bible verse that says, taste and see that the Lord is good. When you have tasted and you have seen that he is good, you have no problem obeying him. And I would say for those of you I hope that are married and you know that your husband, your wife is good, you have no problem obeying and doing what they say. You have no problem not doing the wrong thing because you don't wanna jeopardize that relationship. How much more so should it be with our relationship with God? God, I love you. I don't do anything because I'm obligated. Let's grow up. We're not doing anything so we can be saved. Whatever you do can't save you. Amen. Only Christ can do that. But what we do can please him. What we do can delight him. What we do can respond back in love because we don't have obedience problems. We don't have discipline problems. We have a love problem because to love is truly to obey. I had soldiers, oh my goodness. And they were obedient. Amen. Some of them, you know, still had problems waking up in the morning. You know, formation is at 4 30. They want to show up at 4 35. So they had discipline problems, but they didn't have obedient problems. And then once they get begin to understand that we were doing what we were doing because we loved them, to keep them safe in combat, to keep them safe in the street, down the street, to keep them safe. Then they began to understand and reciprocate. I came and joined the army for three years. I stayed a whole lot longer than that, but it wasn't because I was a robot and because I just wanted to be bossed around because they didn't. I grew to love them because I understood those that I were with loves me. And so much more so God. We obey because we love him.
9: Uh, commandments. Uh, my, my, the, the Ten Commandments. If we fail one, we fail them all. Uh, where are we in the Lord? Are we uh, we uh drinking milk uh, we are uh, we eating meat so we started to eat meat uh, you, I just can't you can't do it on your own you can't control your you can just try your best but power have, the powers from the Lord receive power. And being strong, they say, I'm an, I ain't going to do this. I'm not going to do that. Next thing you know, there you go, right back the same way. Are we drinking mi- milk? Are we eating meat? Once we get there and the power from 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 Jesus, when he say, I'm, I'll be back, but I'm going to send somebody Seen a comforter for you once we receive that. Once we can see that, because I, you can, you just can't be a Christian if you did if you ain't got Jesus, you ain't got help. If that Holy Ghost is, is not an abiding in you, it's, it's no way you can't do it. So, what we drinking, milk, are we eating meat now?
2: Amen. Amen. Here's the thing that we find comfort in, and that is that, you know, the Jews actually believe and know there's a hundred and there are 613 commandments that are given in the five books of Moses in the Torah. Our comfort comes in knowing that God never intended for us to keep them in our own strength because he knew that we could not, but what he did desire and he still does is that he would Do it through us because we would be in him, with him every step, every moment, every hour. Amen. The biblical definition is it is the willingness to submit oneself to the will of God and to put it into effect. In other words, the scripture says, submit yourself then to God, submit yourself then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. See, both command, commanded, commandments, obedience, obey. They are beautiful words because he is beautiful and he is the one that commands so that we can obey and we do it out of love. God bless you all. Uh, Unless I'm going to stop sharing my screen here, amen. And unless someone else has any other comments or questions, Uh, We're going to, I think we have three minutes before we wrap it up, but right before I ask and invite someone to pray, I want to see if anyone has any last comments, any last thoughts.
6: I'll just say real quick, I'm thinking of that scripture that says obedience is better than sacrifice. And we all know what sacrifice means. It, It means a lot, but God is saying obedience is even more important than
2: that. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Now, I want to put a disclaimer out if, you know, I ruffled anyone's feathers. Don't take it out on Crystal and Jed. Amen. (laughs) Feel free to send me a text, send me an email, send it to me. Amen. Praise be unto God. Glory be unto God. Amen. Because I am a proponent. If you get half the truth, that's a lie. And God still does not approve of lying. So here, we're going to tell you the truth. Amen. Amen. So again, Sylvia, Sylvia, send me a text. Give me a call. Leave them
3: alone. Amen. I'm, uh, I've always said one thing. This is one thing that really guides me. And I have to say that that's why I love my church. And I I, I actually consider myself extremely blessed to be among uh, uh, faithful lovers of God. Is that, you know, if you hate the truth. You will always hate the messenger, you know, and 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 honestly, that is one of the core uh, um, uh, 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 foundations on where Satan uh, uh, operates because he 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 knows he cannot reach God. We all know that, and so he comes after his servants and those who stand for truth. I believe that's the heart of of what Scripture says is that. If those who seek to live godly lives will suffer persecution because the mm-hmm. devil will come after you. He cannot reach God, so he will come after you. So I love the truth, Mama. And even though, even when it hurts. So I just thank God to be part of this uh, church and one, once more to be part of, um, of, um, of, of, of this Bible study because I know that your heart is to preach the truth of the gospel. And it is, and, the, and, and we know the gospel is meant to cleanse us all from unrighteousness. So I, I thank God. Amen.
1: And I just wanted to tag on to that—that um, yes, uh, there will be suffering and persecutions, but the Lord does tell us, and here's our hope: that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers us from them all. So Amen. praise God; He gives us victory. Amen.
2: This is a time like no other, like no other. It's always been, but I'm just saying this: where we must get the truth of the Word of God in us because the deception is it's real it's real
0: i just want to encourage us guys we're, we're through six books of the bible
2: hallelujah
0: i mean that's awesome if you've never if you've never read these books before i just want to encourage you congratulations worship the lord it's amazing uh you know and if you've read them a hundred times you probably saw some new things i know i did So this is just, it's awesome. We're we're through six books at the end of March. We're going to be through 25% of our journey. So, wow, that's awesome. Amen. Take a moment, take a breath and look back over our shoulder and survey how far we've come already. It's not as hard as we thought it would be when we started out. God is with us. Amen.
2: Amen. My brother, that's the most important part. God is with us. Anyone else? Going once, twice, three times? Amen. All righty. Praise be unto God. Amen. Sheila, can you close us out in prayer?
4: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Dear Father, we just want to praise your name. Um, Just stand in awe of who you are um that you are the one that gives commands you are the one that teaches obedience you are the one that helps us to line up with who you are you are the one that helps us to know your heart and that you do love us and that you don't do any of this to hurt us. Um, it is to give us protection mm-hmm. it's our great protector you are the one that provides us the truth and um, and and we know that it will, um, give us the light that we need you are the light and you're going to give us the direction that we need in this hour and this is an hour <laughs> if we've ever seen an hour this is an hour and um and um this word today is the key it is about obedience um it isn't about sacrifice we can all do a, a lot of things all day long and um, It is about you and what you are doing before us, behind us, around us. You're preparing the way. You're paving it for us um, to prepare us for what you're wanting us to do in this hour. If We just listen and obey. And uh, we love you, Father. We just magnify you today. We lift you up. We we just want to hug on you today and know um, that you are going to take care of us. Um, And that you will um, give us every bit of light that we need in this dark world today, Father. Thank you for every single person that is on here today. Thank you for those that are leading this, Father. Um, I love the pureness and the truth that is is spoken here. I just love you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.
9: Amen. Love (laughs) y'all. We love love you,
2: too. Amen. God bless, bless Amen. Amen. God
1: bless yes. God bless. you. Amen. God bless. God Blessings. Bye. Bye. God bless you all. We'll see you back next Monday, 7:30, and at the breadcrumb videos in between. God bless. Amen. Amen.
2: All righty. Praise Thank the Lord. You.